welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, good morning, Kevin, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. And um, I'll introduce you a little bit and kind of explain how I got connected to you, and then we'll just go from there. But um, I am learning um, web development now, and I came across you through uh, Scrimba. Mm -hmm. You're in one of the instructors on Scrimba. And um, I've, you know, I've thought, well, you're a person to kind of stick with when it comes to CSS, because it, um, CSS seems like a, kind of a, a little bit of a tedious thing, and it would be, and you're good at explaining it in any way. So I, I listen to you a lot hear your voice, but this is the first time we've had a conversation and I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Um, so I, I thought maybe just the, the, a way to get started is just to, you can maybe uh, give a little overview of who Kevin is as a person. And, um, and then after that, we might kind of talk a little bit about your journey in tech and then... Um, and then after that, who knows where we'll go. But let's start with just who you are as a person. Jeez, that's a great question. Uh, something you don't think about too often, just wondering, you know, as a person who you are. So obviously, I'm Kevin. Um, my identities these days has been so focused just on the world of CSS uh, as an educator in front-end development and as a sort of specialist in CSS these days. So um that's sort of where things are, but obviously I have more to my life, a little bit more to my life than just that. Um, so I am, I'm a father of two, two young boys. They're in elementary school. They're uh, seven and 10 now, which is crazy. Uh, and I have my, my wife as well that we live with. And yeah, I, I um, it, it's kind of funny to think about in a way, just because I never really saw myself getting to where I am now and identifying even as an educator to begin with, it wasn't part of my plan. Um, and now with you just asking sort of who, who I am, it, it's, I guess that's who I am now, uh, which is a bit weird to think about, but yeah. And then is it, do you live in uh, Canada? That's right. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm just on the, one of the suburbs of Montreal um, in Quebec in Canada. So we're, we're enjoying some pretty terrible weather these days. We just got a bunch of freezing rain and then it's hot and raining and then it's cold and snowing, but yeah. yeah. And I guess you you've always been in Canada. Is that where you're from then? Yeah, basically. Um, my, I have family in, in England, uh, from my dad's side, my dad's from England, but, uh, I've lived basically where I am my entire life. Um, and it's, it's been a bit strange because I'm English speaking clearly and we're in Quebec. It's a Francophone. Um, so French province, uh, where as an English speaker, you're very much in the minority. Uh, and it was always something a little bit of a concern. Um, I went to school, I did elementary was mostly French. Um, but I've never been very strong. Both my parents are English. And so, um, definitely growing up in the minority here and then wondering, you know, what, what's going to happen when it comes to getting a job and other things like that. Um, just cause you sort of need to operate in French here. And I, I did work in a few companies where we were, you know, had to be in French and everything, but it, it wasn't necessarily easy. Um, so I sort of accidentally fell into where I am now, which is in a way has worked out really well. Yeah. All right. Um, and then do you live in more of a, the city? Well, you said the suburbs. So you it's a suburb. Like, 
Yeah, it's a suburb. I'm, I mean, if if there's no traffic, I could be downtown in 15 minutes. Um, but it's just off the island, so it's not. I'm not far from the big city. Uh, I can see it. <laughs> you know, if we move down the street a little bit, I can see the buildings and stuff. But far enough out that uh, it's a little a little bit quieter here. And, yeah. Okay. And then, how did you get started in tech? So yeah, as I sort of alluded to, it's been a strange journey for me. Um, I first started when I was in high school just for fun. So like late nineties, just making websites because I don't know, it seemed like something to do. Um, I was, I've been online since, you know, the dial up days and very early when I was young and taking up the phone line. Uh, and so I sort of got into it there just as a hobby and just for fun, um, building a website for like an RPG I was part of and stuff like that. Um, and then it was always like this on again, off again, like, Oh, I could do a website for this cause I need it. And then I wouldn't touch it for a while. Um, through school, I never envisioned it. So like I went from, um, <laughs> I started in the sciences, I switched to film. I have a, so I've, uh, cause here we have like a college, a, a bit of a different system, uh, when it comes to school. So when we finish high school, there's like another step before university. So in that one, I have a degree in film and then I have a BA in urban planning. Uh, so through all of that, like I was just all over the place. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I ended up going back to school again in design, um, so graphic design, and it was focused on print. Uh, but while we were there, we did do a little bit of um, a very, very little bit of website stuff, and that sort of reinvigorated me a little bit. And then I ended up working at a place in design. And when I was working there, uh, it was a really good place to work in terms of being able to learn a lot because I was dealing directly with clients. It was a really small design agency. Uh, so very early on, I was dealing directly with clients. Uh, I was handling bigger projects than, you know, you wouldn't as a new employee, basically. Um, and going with like the boss and stuff to like meet suppliers. And like, so I learned a ton, uh, but the pay wasn't fantastic. So on the side, I started doing freelancing. And most of the freelance stuff I was finding was for like UI design. So I was, because I was looking for design stuff. It's what I was doing. And then I thought, well, you know, I've been making websites just for fun for 15 years plus now. Uh, if I'm designing the site, I could make the site too. And so I started, you know, heavily investing at that point uh, in that side of things. I got into WordPress development and theme development. Um, and then, so yeah, that's sort of how I, you know, more formally got into that world. And um, when you were doing that, was it more of a freelance type of thing when you're doing it? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I was still doing sort of print work uh, at work all day and then freelance stuff in the evenings and stuff like that that was uh, more web-focused, exactly. Okay. So, um, and then living in Canada, um, is, is the culture there, you know, does, it, does the U.S. culture seem quite a bit different than the culture you're a part of there in Canada? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities in general, uh, just because we are so close to one another. Um, I, in Quebec, it is the most left wing of all the provinces in terms of a lot of different things. So like even like our centrist is very left compared to what you'd find in the States. And I think already Canada's center is probably more left than um, the U.S. in general. So our province is even more that way. So from like a political standpoint, there's some differences um, like we have, you know, obviously Medicare is a different sort of ball game. Um, we have like, 
maternity leave is I think minimum nine months. Um, there's other, you know, other cultural differences in that sense um, when it comes to like the social services and everything. But I think is in terms of most things, um, there, there's probably a lot of, there's a lot more similar than there is different, I would say. Yeah. But people tend to speak French where mm-hmm. you're at, but do they know English? It's kind of hard to imagine not knowing English in <laughs> Canada. But I- <laughs> If you're in Montreal, uh, it's pretty bilingual. Um, just because it is the big city, that's where, you know, tourism comes. That's where most people, um, it's very multicultural in general. Um, just because when people emigrate, they, you know, if they're coming here, they tend to go to Montreal and not outside of the city. Um, so in the city, if you only speak English, you could get by. Um, but even like we have laws about like workplace environments and stuff. So you have like, I think if a business has more than nine employees, everything has to be done in French. Um, there's, uh, they, they do a lot to try and protect the language, but if you go outside of Montreal and drive for like 30 minutes, you <laughs> could easily end up places where the English is like, people can understand it. They could, you know, speak broken English maybe. Um, but you'll find people that have zero English probably mm-hmm. as majority. Um, not once you're not too far out of the city. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so like your impression of the U S um, compared to where you're at, like one of the, the main things that stands out to you is um, just kind of more of um, uh, prog- uh, where you're at, just be more progressive, I guess, the um, government having like more of a, a role in society and in life and things like that. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, like our social systems are pretty strong here and there's a lot of emphasis put on them. Um, and I think for the most part, they're well accepted. Um you know, it, we do pay a ridiculous amount in taxes, <laughs> which uh, has its, you know, it, it sucks when you see how much they're taking in your taxes. But at the same time, when you look at the services you are getting, like, um, it's not, you can't complain too much at the same time. Um, you know, it, it pays, you get, you get it back in other ways. Um, so it's, you sort of give up to get, I guess, hmm. um, in that sense. And I guess, I think for a lot of things, we're much similar to, to Europe. So you hear about, you know, a lot of the the programs that and stuff they are they're running in Europe as well as the higher taxes. So uh, mm-hmm. on that front, it's it's probably more comparable to that. Yeah, yeah. In the U.S., um, where I'm at, I kind of think of well, if more things were put into the government's hands, they wouldn't be as sufficient as like a private type mm-hmm. of thing. But it sounds like it seems to be working out okay where you're at. Or um, I mean. Uh, I think there is obviously when you're a private enterprise, there is that pressure to, you know, do things more efficiently. Uh, mm-hmm. I think no matter what, that, that is an issue with any programs like our hospital systems could be improved upon. Um, and there is quite a bit of money that goes into them. Um, but at the same time, I think like even when, when my first son was born, he was born three months premature. And so he was in the hospital for three months. He was on a ventilator um, and stuff like that. And, Wow. Uh, obviously it depends on your insurance situation and stuff like that in the States. But for us, we literally, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you, you walk out without a bill or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some, um, private. So like if you need, you know, testing or you need certain things, if you want to go faster and you have the, the means, you can, you know, sort of skip the line on some stuff, which is, uh, I know a bit of a point of contention just because it does create sort of a two tiered system, um, in that sense. 
which not everybody likes. Um, we do also have health insurance, um, but it's it's a little bit different. It's more for like paying for your medication and, and other things like that on certain things um, that aren't covered by the government. And there, I don't really know how they decide what they cover and what they don't, but yeah. Yeah. Are there um, things that you've had to learn or practice as a freelancer for, you know, routines or anything like that for getting things done um, since it's kind of up to you to structure, you know, how you progress forward and, and stuff like that? Yeah, that's been uh, one of, I'm not someone who's terribly organized <laughs> as a, like a, my, my natural state, let's say. Um, and so it's definitely been a challenge on that front of finding a system that would work well for me. I've tried a lot of tools uh, to sort of keep help me stay on track and push me in the right direction. Uh, and I think it's one of those things where it's less about the tool and it's more about building the habit to use the tool. Because, uh, yeah. you know, I, I sort of set up all my Trello stuff, just try and stay more organized there. And then you just don't use it. So there's no point. Um, so for me, it's been more about trying to build daily habits to use the tools that I've put in place. Um, right now I'm using Notion for everything. And I have like a daily tracker. I have my content calendar for YouTube there. So if I say I'm making a new video, I put it into my content calendar. And then from there, I add all the, you know, I need all the steps I need to do. So I need to, you know, title and thumbnail. I need to do the uh, description. I need to find, you know, write my script. I need to build the demo, all of those. So each thing is its own step. And then right in that, I can put the dates I'm actually going to do them on. Um, and I just had to make it a habit of using that. And then also I have doing that, it automatically puts it into a to-do list for me that just shows me today's stuff that I've scheduled. So I just mm -hmm. have to go and that make sure that's my habit of first thing in the morning, go look at that and then see what I actually have to do. Uh, and for me, that's helped because it's sort of like, if you have a job and you go to work every day, you know, you sit down and your boss tells you what to do, or you see your tasks or whatever it is. And you feel like you can't slack. Whereas when you're doing your own work, it's a little bit easier to be like, yeah, I can do that tomorrow. Uh, I can push that back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, finding a way to build in the habits to sort of make it more like a regular job has really helped me out. And then is your work mainly as an educator now or are, you st or is a lot of your work still um, freelance working for, you know, building websites and stuff like mm -hmm. that? Yeah. So last year I transitioned full-time to, to education content creation, um, mm. which was pretty, in, in a way, um, I was already working from home. I actually, I did, I was, when I was working at that, my, the job that I talked about earlier, um, I was working there and I was working freelance at nights. And then my old school actually called me and asked if I wanted to apply to be a teacher there. Um, and that's sort of how I got into, uh, you know, teaching in the first place. I said, why not? Uh, the other job, as I said, was super great for learning, but it wasn't fantastic for the pay. So, uh, I said, I might as well try it out and see, um, I can always, you know, go back and do something else later if it doesn't work out. And that's where I realized I actually really like teaching people. Hmm. Um, and while I was working there, I was still doing a lot of freelance work, uh, in the evenings. And that's also what inspired me eventually to make the YouTube channel. Um, just because I was really enjoying it, but I was sort of teaching a very limited amount of topics. Um, and it was getting a little bit repetitive and a little bit boring. So I wanted to sort of find ways to do a little bit different content. Um, and then, yeah, eventually things just on that side kept growing <laughs> and I was able to fully transition onto that side, which is 
again, I don't know how I got here, but here we are. Yeah. And, you know, the, the appeal to teaching, you know, I'm just, as I'm thinking about it, is that like, is the appeal kind of because it's your own progress and learning and the teaching is a part of the learning? Or is it um, more of the effect on other people? Or is it, I guess, maybe a mixture? Or I think definitely a mixture. Uh, when I first started teaching in the classroom for the first time and you're sort of going through stuff, you realize at that point how little you actually know. <laughs> it's, it's great to be able to do something, but to be able to actually explain it is a different one. And then to be able to explain why is also just like, very different. And if you show something, you're always going to get a, well, why does that work <laughs> from a student? And then, so, um, yeah, at that point I realized like, oh, I, I know how to do some of this stuff, but it's just become such, you know, I do it because it works. I don't really understand why I'm doing it. I just know that it's, well, I know I'm doing it because it's accomplishing what I want, but, uh, it sort of forced me to start learning things on a lot deeper level. And then I realized the more you're teaching, like you're constantly just getting deeper and deeper knowledge. And even I always tell people, if you're learning something, even if you don't want to teach it publicly, just to document what you're learning and sort of write it out or make like voice notes or something about what you're learning. Because as soon as you try to explain what you've learned, you like vocalizing it or just writing it down, you start to make connections and things that you never would have before, because you have to actually explain what it is. And it, it's incredible. It's like a, a cheat code to learning as far as I'm concerned. Huh. Um, and yeah, it, it's really cool. So like, I, I do think vocalizing is a bit different from writing it. So even if it's just vo voice notes to yourself to explain like how the thing you're doing works or what you learned today or anything. Um, mm -hmm. And then you never have to listen to them again. Just going through that process, you make connections and stuff and it's really cool. So obviously I really enjoy that and that's really cool. Uh, but obviously helping people and seeing um, people be able to like succeed and I help somebody do something today. Um, it's, it's a bit different when you're in the classroom. Uh, I was in the classroom for five years and it's like seeing the actual progress of a full class of students that are working on building something is really, really cool. And, you know, two weeks ago they couldn't do anything and now they're doing these really cool projects. So like, it, it's really nice to be able to see that in person. Uh, so it's definitely a little bit, a little bit different online, but at the same time, the reach online is much greater. So, you know, I can. Uh, be reaching more people and, and everything and people are you know whenever I get emails or messages and dms and stuff of people saying that I help them either land a job or learn something new or whatever it is and obviously uh, it's pretty you know makes it feel worthwhile when you're hearing about that yeah well I'd like to ask you um kind of uh, maybe just along the lines of just your thoughts about life or philosophy of life and things like that and um, if you feel like on the hot seat or something, it's okay to, um, you know, to cast questions back or whatever, you know, you feel like doing. But um, so, uh, you know, how would you describe your, you know, the, the why behind everything you do, your f philosophy of life, I guess, is a way you, um, you know, a way to ask about that or um Anyway, we'll just start there. Like, yeah, uh, I think I think I've sort of even. It, I mean, it's a little different because it's obviously my company rather than than me. But my brand is so related. You know, I, my brand is me. Um, mm -hmm. And when I decided to go full time, I sort of had to think about that a little bit. Of like, what do I want my brand to be, and what do I want that to sort of 
encompass. And I think that, you know, it's obviously based on my own beliefs and everything. And it was the first time that I sort of sat down and thought about it a little bit. Um, and I guess, you know, for me and for that side of things, at least like just the, the ideas of, you know, I mean, it's stupid, but just being nice inclusivity, um, and things like that and like helping people out, um, I think are, are some of the most important things that we can do. Um, and trying, I, I think the twofold there is like, you know, enjoy doing thing, doing positive things like that and being able to like help people out when they need help, being able to, and whether that's like literally, you know, somebody needs help because you're walking down the street and you see they need help or educating people through what you know or whatever means that you have, like it doesn't need to be big things. But I think anything like that that can bring positivity uh, is what we should focus on um, just because there's so much not of, of the other side of things that can be going on, um, especially these days. And it, it's I think the more you you focus on that, the more you also get it back. Um, and I've definitely seen that with my own channel and stuff, because I know even you know, YouTube and, and online social platforms, uh, I'm very active on Twitter and I keep hearing about how they can be cesspools of, of negativity and hate. And I don't see it at all. Um, my my Twitter feed, I mean, you get some stuff in there, obviously, where people are, are trolling and stuff. But like I, I get very little of that. I think I'm, you know, I am a bit privileged as a white guy too, where sometimes you don't see some things that other people have to run into. So I do have to take that into account for sure. Um, but I think in general, you know, putting out that side of things, you also receive it back. So I think, um, yeah, that's a lot of what I focus on and try and try and focus on. And, um, obviously now with kids too, just trying to show them <laughs> that, that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a little harder at that age, (laughs) but um, yeah, just trying to sort of leave a positive influence, I guess, on, on the people that pass through your life. Right. That's good to hear that um, you don't get a lot of uh, negative comments on Twitter and so forth. You're, you come across as a very nice, likable fellow. So I can see that it would be hard to just to get angry at you, you know, and cast (laughs) a lot of negative stuff your way. Um. And actually, not to interrupt, but I remember there was, it was a long time ago now, but I remember somebody posted something on my comment and it's super rare that I see negative comments on my videos, but they said something and it it, it was one of those comments. You don't really think about it when you write it. And I think you don't even sort of realize that there might be someone on the other side. And I don't, it was so long ago. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I politely wrote wrote back to sort of explain my point of view. Um, Not that it was long, you know, each wrote maybe two sentences or something like that. But then their reply was super polite and super nice. And they sort of, at that point, realized that I'm a person too. <laughs> you know, it's not just, they're not just voicing these into the ether and then their their opinions are out there. So, you know, it's that type of thing where sometimes, and I know that's not always the case when there's online hate and stuff. It can sometimes snowball very easily. Um, but uh, I talk with other YouTubers and stuff and they've, you know, shared similar experiences where sometimes where you just show that you're a human and, you know, there's a, you know, whether it's a reason you made a mistake, whatever it is, um, sometimes that, you know, it, it helps connect again on that front and, and makes things a little more positive. Right. Okay. So it seems that you value <clears throat> a, a way to put it is you value love, you know, uh, mm-hmm. wanting to um, benefit and help somebody else serving somebody else and wanting to do something good for their well being and so forth. Um, well, where does that come from? Is there, do you have a, a worldview that's 
uh, spiritual or religious, or is it more from a humanistic worldview? Or, you know, where does the um, those values that you have uh, come from? Um, yeah, I guess it's more of a humanistic worldview. Uh, it's definitely heavily influenced by my mom. Uh, she she's someone who's just like obviously I grew up with her, but she's you know just always looking at the bright side of things. Um, she's she's more spiritual than I, I am. Um, but it's, you know, yeah, definitely comes from just the influence of growing up with her and seeing how she approached life and everything. Um, I didn't get so much of the spiritual side from her, but I definitely got the, the point of view on just in general, you know, I, I figured no matter what, what's, what worldviews or, or philosophy, uh, you know, whether it's religious or whether it's something else, I think that like, at the end of the day, we're here now, uh, and who knows after that, or who knows before that, what's going on. But while we're here, we might as well just make the best of it, and then see what happens <laughs> from there on. Um, so it's you know sort of that. Let's live in the now and just enjoy while we're here. Uh, it can be so easy to not enjoy. There's lots of things that we can complain about, and obviously, you know, it, it's easy when I'm online. And, you know, people always see the positive side of me and stuff. You said I, and I hope that's me 99% of the time, but I realize, you know, there's always, you know, you get, I get angry at my kids sometimes, or, you know, I'm driving my car and someone cuts me off. I might not be like, you know, <laughs> the, I might be uttering something under my breath or something like that. But I think in general, <laughs> um, the, you know, just enjoy the now, try and make the most of it. Um, regardless, I think is the, you know, the best way to go about things. Right. Um, so do you have any thoughts about like um, what you most um, want in life, I guess? Um, like, I don't know, sometimes, um, you know, people have like a, some kind of a, a longing or what they're really searching for. And, or maybe for some people, it, it, everything is fulfilled, so they don't feel like that. But <clears throat> is there anything... Um, well, for you, like, what do you most want in life? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it. I, I think some of it I've definitely achieved in terms of what, when I was first starting my career, even before I sort of started my career, when I was first with my wife and stuff, uh, we were still in university when we met and we were, <laughs> you know, you're paying your bills and stuff one month at a time and hoping that your credit card bill's not growing. And it usually is. And, so like we had a lot of instability in financial fronts early on, which puts a lot of stress on your life. Um, and just not having that is something that's, I think taking that stress away. So like stability in terms of, um, I don't think for me, I don't need to have like, I don't need to be driving a Ferrari and even, you know, or whatever it is, um, or having like a multi-million dollar house. I don't really see that as success personally. Uh, obviously you're successful in some front if you're able to, to have those things. Um, but for me, it's more, can I live without worrying about the, the next payment or anything like that is, has actually been part of it just because at one point we were living that way. Um, and just now that I have kids as well, just, you know, I think leaving them with, or being able to bring them up in a way, a positive environment and leaving them with something, um, you know, to take away a little bit like my mom did, like, you know, as I said, like she had a big influence on, I think my worldview, my personality and a lot of things like that. 
to like less like I hope that I can leave them this big trust fund. Like it's not obviously that could be nice for them, but it's more about leaving them. Um, you talk about your legacy and stuff like that. I'm less worried about my legacy in terms of what other people think of me and more of, you know, what I'm what I'm leaving behind for my kids and what, you know, the values and everything they have. Um, I've lived most of my life having no idea what I wanted to do next. <laughs> As I said, when I sort of went through my journey of like, I never had this plan when I was younger of like, this is my goal. I need, I want to get this job with this salary with like things like that. Um, and I'm sort of the same now in, in those sense where I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this is who I am now. Um, I seem to have sort of found what I think I can do really well. Um, and it, it seems to be going well. So I think I found a place of stability and I'm really happy with that. Um, but at the same time, like who, who knows what's next <laughs> at the, um, and if things might change directions, uh, it's always possible. So like, yeah, it's a good question. And it's one that I guess it's a bit strange, but I've never really thought about too much of like, what's my, what's the end or end goals, a bit of a dark way to put it. Maybe, but, um, um, yeah, I a bit of rambling there. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No. Um, so your mom, you said she had a spiritual aspect to her. Like, is that, was she religious? Is that what you're referring to? Um, no, she, she did. When she was younger, she was brought up, uh, like she went to a Catholic school and she was brought up very religious. Her parents or her mom at least was very religious. Um, but I think that sort of put her off religion a little bit because it wasn't necessarily the positive side that she was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was more, you know, believing in, in just spirituality. Um, I couldn't, I can't, I'd have to talk to her. I have a conversation maybe about exactly what her beliefs on that front are, but, um, yeah, she, she's definitely more into like the spirituality side of things in terms of just, um, you know, people's energies and, and, um, she doesn't, yeah, I think now that she's sort of had that, the younger days behind her for, for as long as they have, like, she's not, not religious, but it's not something that she's, you know, focused on. Um, yeah. So kind of, okay. So kind of like, um, a belief in God and a belief in like maybe Christian morality, but without the practicing of going to church and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I come from like a religious perspective from Christianity. So I, um, so I'm trying, you know, I don't know what it would be like. Um, well, it's hard to kind of get out of this headspace and and think of my and think, you know, without it, and just kind of mm-hmm. like I wonder, like, would because in um, a religious um, worldview, you know, things do kind of. Um, makes sense as far as like purpose somewhat, but like, I'm just wondering if without that, would I be wondering, you know, what's the meaning of it all and stuff like that. So from your perspective, does that question ever arise or, you know, like the why, um, like science tells us a lot about the how, how things Mm -hmm. to be, but, um, what about, you know, so what does it mean? (laughs) You know, what, you know, is there, a reason for it and so forth. Like, are, are those things that you think about or is that, or do people, do you think people think about that or, or is that kind of a strange even thing to consider? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, th- I think it's a, a very, 
a very good question. And I, I can a hundred, you know, it, it is one of those, you know, the, I don't can't think of the right word for it, but I think it's, you know, almost part of the human plight of wondering why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry about that. Um, but yeah. So, and it's something my, my wife um, is more religious than I am. So it is something that sort of has come up and we've had some uh, more recent uh, events in our life that have sort of raised that question a little bit more of sort of why, you know, why, why the why and, and everything. And she gets mad at me a little bit, um, just or not mad at me. She gets frustrated a little bit with my answers because they're kind of non-answers. Um, it, I guess it is something that I've sort of, I have wondered about, obviously, um, just because I think, I think everybody does to a certain extent. Um, but at the same time, it, it sort of comes back down to like the, the same idea of I'm, I'm here now. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. So I might as well enjoy it and make the best of it. Uh, and then see what happens next, <laughs> I guess is my, my way of, of looking at it. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if that, that makes full, full, the full sense of it, but I, at the same time, it, I, I guess it goes a little bit with how I've gone through everything else of just, you know, I don't, I don't really stress too much about where things are going. I'm um, like when I was in school, okay, I'll do this program. Cause I, I guess that's the right thing to do. And oh, I'll switch now and do something else. So like my, my thinking has never really been as probably forward thinking as it should have been. And on certain things, it's definitely um, held me back, but on um, for that, I get, yeah, my, my main thing just comes down to let's, the only thing I know is what I have now. Um, and so yeah, let's let I'll focus on that, and um, I, I I guess you know somebody else could take the same point of view as me and live life very differently because of that. Which uh, so, but I guess it's just the way I've sort of embraced it and the way I believe in it based on for whatever reason. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, yeah. <laughs> so is your wife religious in the sense of going to church and stuff like that? Uh, she, she hasn't been to church in a while now, but she's, she's been wanting, wanting to go back every now and then the conversation comes up. Um, but for her, it is, um, without attending church, she's still, you know, uh, it, it's still an important point, a part of her identity, um, and, and who she is. And so luckily it, it doesn't cause any conflict between us that sort of, I, I see things differently. Um, but she does, you know, we, we do talk about sort of what you were mentioning. And again, my, clearly my answer hasn't been too well thought out. Um, but sort of little things come up every now and then on that front, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like, um, you know, planning out life, I, I was listening to a fellow talk and, um, amazing things seem to have happened with him, uh, throughout his life, his accomplishments and so forth. But he always thought of his life as more like a river, like not knowing what was around the next bend rather than um, uh, getting up on a mountain peak and seeing it all mapped out in front of him, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I can kind of s- see how that's a method of going through life. And um, I guess it relates a little bit to like just the why like it sounds like um, you're pretty content with um, 
just being kind of, well, you don't know, but you're just in today and you're making the most of it. And, um, the, um, and the way you make the most of it seems to be, uh, like love. That's one way to put it. Um, and, and that seems to, um, be the best route, uh, for, uh, fulfillment in life, I think is, is kind of what you're experiencing and, uh, what you're saying that, um, mm-hmm. you're just here, um, with what you see around you and so forth. And, uh, the way that you experience the most fulfillment and joy and so forth is like a kind of a serving type of, um, mentality to it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does, um, so is your area there, like, does the U.S., I was talking with a lady from the uh, Russia, Soviet, well, she came over when it was the Soviet Union, but um, she um, she was just shocked by how religious the U.S. is. Hmm. Um, does that seem like that from a Canadian perspective, too, or is it not really so much like a difference in cultures, but it's just more of you as an individual kind of being like less re- religious and so forth? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Uh, <laughs> just talking about the whole Quebec thing before. Um, I mean, the Quebec culture itself, outside of the rest of Canada, is very unique. Um, just because with the French, sort of the French-English divide has, has, you know, it sort of kept them isolated. And they're very different, very, very different cultures. Um, and, well, as far as you can when you're neighbors with each other, I guess. But the, one of the differences definitely is, is on a religious front. Um, in Quebec's history, I'm trying to remember the name of it, and it, it's escaping me right now, but there's a... Oh, I can't believe I can't think of it. I was just talking about it with somebody the other day. But um, in the Quebec, for a long time, had the, the, like going back to when it was first established and like through the 1800s, when uh, it was very, very, very religious. It was very Catholic. And the Catholic Church had a massive influence on it. And the, I think it was, I don't remember the percentage, but let's just say it was 90% was Francophone and 10% was English. And the English were Protestant and the French were Catholic. And at one, it also happened that the English were the rich people that were running all the businesses and owned most of the land and all of that. Uh, and the French people were more the... I'll say peasants and, and things like that. Um, and then there was a very big, uh, very sudden, it was, oh, the name is right there at the back of my tongue or head, but the, um, there was this like very sudden sort of uh, silent revolution where they just abandoned the church completely. Um, they felt that they were being held back by the Catholic church um, because of how things were being, um, handled and seeing that they've been poor forever and that the English who weren't giving to the church so much um, weren't. And so they there was this massive shift away um, and the whole province pretty much abandoned religion in a very big way all of a sudden in a very, very short period of time. Um, so yeah, that even like marriage here, uh, it's more common for people to be common law than they're to get actually married. Um <laughs> as just part of that shift. And that's only within Quebec, not the rest of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was part of the reason for it. It was just that sort of abandonment of it. Um, we still have a lot of influence um, because we are, there was, there's been a lot of 
<laughs> more recent um, political struggle with sort of other religions that are here. And the, um, one of the things that happened was when that happened was a very clear divide between church and state, uh, which wasn't always the case. And so when that divide happened, um, like even in schools, like there was actually when I grew up, it was we still had Catholic and Protestant schools. Um, now we don't have that anymore. There's no you, you, there is religion like you can or you can go to private schools that are religious, but the public school system um, is, I guess, neutral or whatever. Um, but, you know, we still in our the assembly of the um, the government's assembly at the back, there's still the cross on the wall. And there was a lot of political debate on whether that should stay there or not. But uh, we're also I mean, Montreal is known for its churches. There's a church at every second corner um, just because it was such an establishment. Every city you see, like the tallest building is always the church. You're going through the countryside. There's churches everywhere. So it was such like a strong part of the identity. All of that's still there. Um, but then there was that shift away from it. And I think, yeah. Huh. Um, well, what's, have there been any th- impacts on your life, like either people or events or books or anything like that, that have really kind of been a change of course for your life or impacted your life in some significant way? It's a, it's a little strange. My biggest influence on my life in a certain way was probably my high school drama teacher. Huh. Uh, I'm probably one of the shyest people or as a kid, especially um, I, I'm extremely shy, social anxiety um, and things like that, especially as a kid. And I see it in my oldest son. Now he's like oral presentations or anything in front of the class or like the, it's panic attacks for him and stuff. Um, I didn't like groups. I didn't like, you know, anything. <laughs> I had my little comfort zone and that was it. Um, I let, you know, as I said, I was into computers, stuff like that, doing stuff on my own. I'm very happy. Even now I'm very much, um, like, a, a very much an introvert. So I'm very happy being by myself for extended periods. I don't need to socialize and stuff. Uh, but when in high school, uh, I think it was in our second year of high school, we had, and our high school system's a bit different too. We do, it would be grade eight, um, just because of how our system works. So in grade eight, I think we had to take a drama class. It was just mandatory that you had to do it. Maybe it was even grade seven. Um, and then <laughs> the next year it was an option class and I had to choose between that computer science and, or not computer science, but it was just, you know, general computer stuff and a couple of other classes. Um, but the teacher was just so fantastic that like this little shy introvert that couldn't, you know, talk to people basically chose drama class over computer class, even though computers are my passion. Um, and I went through all of high school going to that, uh, you know, choosing the drama class every year. Um, she was just one of those teachers that leaves like this lasting impact on you. Hmm. Uh, her approach to everything was so different from other teachers and other people that I'd ever sort of encountered. She was a lot more rough around the edges, you know, um, a lot more vulnerable as a teacher. Like you didn't, you got to know the person in a lot more of a way than usually you do with your teachers. Um, And it definitely, like, there's no way if I hadn't gone through that, that I would have ever thought of being a teacher in front of a class, uh, which would have meant I never would have got to where I am today uh, with my, my channel and every, all the other education stuff I'm doing. Uh, So definitely, like a hundred percent, she was the reason that I was able to get to this point. Um, 
so for that, that's probably my biggest single influence that I can think of uh, in terms of an external sort of source like that. Hmm. Um, yeah, that that's the one that comes to mind right away. Um, in terms of other influences, I'd have to think about it a little bit. So if something pops to mind, I'll let you know. But right now, I'm searching. <laughs> huh. So um, your drama teacher... Um, and, and it was kind of just her personality or way of being. You said she was vulnerable. Like, um, so you, I guess just the way she connected with you, anything in particular you know, that caused her to make such an impact or. I think like she, she was also the student that like the quote unquote bad kids liked because she wouldn't judge them or anything. Like she wasn't pigeonholing them right away. Um, I think she was sort of probably fell into that mold when she was a student that she was a bit rebellious and on that side of things. Hmm. Um, so I think that's her, like she'd sort of accept people no matter what she's no prejudgment going on whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. and then all, you know, she would make decisions <laughs> based on who you were and she wouldn't be shy about them. Um, if you went up and you did, you know, we're doing drama stuff. So if you were bad, she would tell you you were bad. And if you did a good job, she told you you did a good job. And the same person would get both feedbacks within 10 minutes. So like there was, it was like a pure honesty, um, in terms of that type of thing. And I think that, herself showing that, you know, she, when, you know, saying vulnerable, I'm, you know, she was willing to show her own faults and, you know, and it wasn't, it was just being like an honest person, I guess. And just, this is who I am uh, and I have nothing to hide. So you should have nothing to hide either. And I think as this little shy kid, it made you realize that like, oh, okay. Like I'm, I am who I am and that's okay. Uh, which is cut that coming, I guess, from an adult who's in like a position that you respect as a teacher. Um, is, is pretty, and obviously like they're always implied in, I, I had lots of very good teachers. I was lucky, um, in terms of like the quality of education I was getting, but it was more just like, here's what you're learning and that's it. And there was less about you as a person. And I think she was the one that would like connect to her students as a person and get to know them, um, and purposely do it. And, and yeah, I think it was that just saying like, you're, you're good for who you are and yeah, you're not perfect, but I'm not perfect either. And he's not perfect either. And that's fine. Um, so I think that was as someone who had like being very shy, I was very insecure. And I think that sort of helped on that front of like, yeah, you know, sure that sucks. You're shy, but you can work around it. You can deal with that. And you know, here's the other stuff that's wrong with everyone else. So, you know, that's cool. So, um, besides the teacher, did you like drama as, as the, in the activity? Yeah, it was fun. Definitely. Um, I think if it was a different teacher, maybe I wouldn't have, but she, she made it fun with the types of things we were doing. Um, it was less like formal. I mean, there was, we, we did scripted plays and stuff like that, but we did a lot, 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 lot of improv, um, which I think has also helped with my public speaking in general. Um, so that had an influence on me as well. Um, lots of sort of skits and fun things and, and stuff like that. And a, less of the sort of formal drama class that you might think of. Yeah. Um, what, you know, that's, she sounds like a pretty special teacher. Um, is, has there been anything that you've, um, learned, you know, along the way about relationships and the way you relate to other people that's been helpful, just any kind of guiding principles or anything that you keep in mind? Uh, I think the best way to have a, a good relationship, uh, with anybody and it's kind of funny because it's the hardest one I have with my own kids. 
Um, but it's just to listen to people. <laughs> um, my wife always gets mad at me because people are always like, that she'll like, well, I'll meet some, like one of her friends or something. And then it's, you know, the next day and they're like, Oh, Kevin's so great and stuff. And he, she's like, he didn't say anything. Like I'm the intro. I sit there. I, I barely do anything. And people are like, and she's always like, why does everybody like you? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, she's like, it's so annoying. You have to like, get some people mad at you and like, not like you. And I'm like, but like, I think a large part of that is just because people aren't used to being listened to. Like they'll start telling their story and I'll listen to it. And I'll genuinely like, you know, I'm not, sort of zoning off in the distance. I, I tend to like listening to what people's stories and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes if, if it's someone, you know, really well, that's always telling the same stories, it gets a little harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a boss that was like that and it was just the same five stories that would be 45 minutes long each time. And that, that could be a little tiresome, but um, I really do think that like actually listening to somebody and like me and my wife do have a really good relationship uh, and it goes both ways. And I think it's the best way just, you know, being empathetic to people's positions and everything. And it sometimes is easy and sometimes it's hard, like with my kids when they're <laughs> when you know, I think it's easier with adults in a sense that like, if they're pissed off at you, it doesn't necessarily do instantly go to like screaming at you. Whereas with like a five-year-old, they're just yelling in your face because they're angry at something really dumb. And you're just like, this is not important at all. Why are you screaming? So it's, it's a little harder to be em- empathetic sometimes in those situations um, and just sort of stay at a different level than they are. Um, so that's something I'm still working on on that front. But I think that in general, understand listening to somebody, then you understand a little bit more about them, whether it's worldviews, political views, uh, religious views, anything like that. I think, you know, everybody's different. Everyone's going to see things a little bit differently. And that's good, um, especially in today's world where there's so much polarization and it just seems to be everything's becoming more and more polarized that being able to listen to somebody and understand their point of view is just so important. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it makes you a better person at the same time, because then you're open to more ideas and you understand, you know, it's like anything, the, if, <laughs> you know, if you go way back and, and look at say like, uh, trying to think of a good example, but you know, even, I mean, it's, say with with racism and stuff like even where i live in quebec there is a lot it's kind of a racist province in a way but it's a very very white province and then there's people that live in the more multicultural areas uh who are more exposed to all the different religions and the different things tend the issues aren't the same and it's just because it's not this foreign boogeyman that you're reading about from your friends or hearing these stories about it's someone you know, you get to meet the person, you get to talk with them and you go, oh, they're exactly the same as me. They just think, you know, maybe we think this is different than that or something. But um, I think the more you get to, the more people you listen to and the more people you talk with and everything, the more you realize we're sort of all the same. Yeah. You, you mentioned racism. So the U.S., we have um, like slavery in our history. Is Do you all share that history with us or was it different in Canada? Yeah, it was different. Um, I don't, I don't, I know we, like when the underground railroad was going, uh, with you guys, there was a lot mm-hmm. of it was coming up to here. Okay. Um, so we were, you know, the, um, we didn't have any formal segregation laws or anything like that. Um, I think here it's more of just a, a question of not having the same diversity is where most of it's born. I see. Um, yeah, it's, outside of like 
the the capitals because i mean canada's population is a little bit sort of like if you go to the midwest or something where there's nobody for a long period of time and then all of a sudden there might be a city mm-hmm. um so you just get these like sort of canada is very much like <laughs> we're first where all the population is right across the border because it's any farther north it gets cold really fast mm-hmm. um and you just get like big city and then nothing for a few hundred miles and then another city and then nothing for a few hundred miles. But in between there's obviously so like in the cities, you tend to get um, a bit more multicultural situations. Uh, nowadays, if you go back, not very far, I don't even think it was that much. Um, but even once you hit the suburbs, it's just, especially here in Quebec, I don't, I, I won't speak too much of the other ones cause I'm not sure hundred um, percent, but it's just white after that. Um, and so just, I think, and that's been the history here. Um, forever. So I just think that it's more of a, a lack of diversity has led to it sort of being that unknown boogeyman more than anything else. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, um, you know, before wrapping up, it, do you have any routines that's meaningful to you? Not so much like, for, you know, for getting work done, mm. but just, um, I don't know, just helpful in life. I, some people do meditation or this or that. I don't know. Is there anything that is meaningful to you? Nothing. Um, yeah. Other than my cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't have too much. I keep trying to sort of build up certain routines, but it's again, it's a little bit, like I said, with the work habits, um, of actually building up the habit, which is the hardest part. Once it, once you get that as part of your routine, it can stick. Um, but I seem to have trouble with that side of things and actually making it a recurring event. So I don't have anything too much, uh, these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your work and, um, I like your background too. It reminds me of like a CSS gradient or something. (laughs) Um, well, anything else you'd like to, um, I know before, you know, I let you go, um, let people know how they can contact you if they want to follow you or anything. But besides that, is there just anything else you would like to um, bring up or, or talk about or anything before we um, wrap up? No, I think I am just want to say thanks for having me on. It was a really a nice discussion. Um, it's got me thinking about a few, a few things that I don't always do. So it's a nice change of pace a little bit since most of the time it's just about when I get brought in to talk with people, we're just focused on sort of, the tech side completely. So it's nice to have a uh, sort of a conversation that branches off into some, some other topics. And uh, so, I, yeah, I really appreciate it and appreciate you having me. Okay. Well, thanks. I, I enjoyed it. It was really good to connect with you and to be able to enjoy this conversation with you. So um, how can people follow you if that, if they would like to? Yeah. So um, if anybody is interested in, in learning a little bit of front end development or, you know, web creating websites, um, with a focus on me, how they look, um, my, my YouTube channel is probably the best way to find me. Um, it's just, if you look up Kevin Powell and then put like web, you'll probably be the first result. I do have the unfortunate, um, (laughs) the, unfortunately it's a very common name. Uh, there's a politician in the States with Kevin Powell. There's a musician, uh, that's somewhat popular called Kevin Powell. And I think there's something else too. Uh, kevinpowell.com was a used car salesman. So, <laughs> um, but if you just Google my name, um, it's probably the easiest way to find my channel. 
Um, and also Twitter's where I'm most active outside of that, where, you know, a little bit more behind the scenes, I guess. Um, I'm not one to tweet about everything that's going on, but um, sort of my more fun things or if I post a, a blog post somewhere um, or something else, it's always that's the best way to sort of find everything that I'm up to. Um, and that's just Kevin J. Powell, because once again, Kevin Powell was taken. So I threw my initial in there. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm.